Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. It's going to be McSorley. He'll keep it to go. Opening 10. Bounces to the left, to the 5, to the goal line. Touchdown, Penn State. Trace McSorley caps a 75-yard opening drive. And the Nittany Lions look very, very sharp. Takes the snap. Thomas back. Trouble. Chased. Hit. Down he goes. Cam Brown back at the 34-yard line. And this defense comes up with a three and out. Calvasi will snap it. On the money, put down Jake Pinnegar up, and Jake Pinnegar ties the game with his first career field goal. Squibs in there, hits a player. Penn State's got the football at the midfield stripe, and they've got two timeouts to work with. It hit a player, and I think it's Micah Parsons that got it. Second to goal at the Appalachian State 10. Sorley takes it, play action fake. He'll keep it to go to the 10 to the 5. Touchdown, Penn State. Trace McSorley, the Nittany Lions take the lead. Gives it to Slade again. Breaks a tackle, 20-15. Ricky Slade, touchdown, Penn State. Ricky Slade's first career touchdown from 27 yards out. And the Nittany Lions are establishing control. Play action, McSorley steps up, waits, delivers long and deep. K.J. Hamler got it at the 10. Inside the 5, first and goal. Nittany Lions, what a throw, what a catch. Inside the Del Grosso sauce, red zone, and now they're knocking on the door. Johnson near side, Tompkins far side, Sanders to the left. Third and goal at the two. It's going to be Sanders up the middle, touchdown, Penn State, and the Nittany Lions show their resiliency and come right back and take a two-score lead. Hamler in the end zone. He'll come out. Five. 10, Hamler 15, 20, 25, 30, far sideline 40, tripped up and failed. <laughs> Sorley takes it back to pass. He delivers near side. Polk makes the catch. First down 30, Polk to the sideline and ridden out of bounds by Clifton Duck at the 30 yard line. They convert and move the chain. Sorley waits, takes it, play action fake. He delivers in the end zone. Hamler's got it. Touchdown, Penn State. The Nittany Lions are an extra point away from a tie with 42 seconds to go in regulation. Hopkins near side, Johnson far side, Sanders to the left. Second and goal at the four. He'll give it to Sanders. Through the hole. Touchdown, Penn State. The Nittany Lions take the lead in overtime. Thomas. Play action. Near corner throws for Sutton. Knocked away. Intercepted. Amani Oyewari. And the Nittany Lions win it. What a play by Amani Oyewari. Conference lows, it's really, it's kind of through the roof, you know, with with our offense and with what we do. You know, we know we just got to go down and execute. We can't, you know, Coach Ronnie talks about all the time, you know, don't make a play, make the play, and just make the play that's presented to you. And that's the biggest thing is, you know, guys aren't stressing to go out and try and do more than they need to on every play. They just come in and, 
each play they you know treat it like its own entity can't let the last play affect you and they just go out and, and execute what they need to do on that play and that's what makes you know offensive football great is you need all 11 doing that but if you have that mentality that we have about just making the play that's presented to you it's easy to have that mentality and just you know work all 11 guys together well, we found a way to get a gritty win against a good opponent they I don't know what it is about that water in Boone North Carolina but they seem to do this to everybody so um, you got to give them all the credit in the world so much respect for their program and coach Satterfield and what they've done but again you know if you look at any great season great year there's a there's a game like this where you, you had to overcome some adversity so you know we got we got an inexperienced team at some positions and it showed like that today uh, I was pretty disappointed in, in our special teams but but we got to get those things cleaned up you know I, I thought on that one third and two right there at the end of the game I would have liked to see him run for it and I you know I, I talked to Trace at halftime I said listen our offense is always at its best when you're a threat as a runner it changes everything with the defensive coordinator with how we call the game we got, we got to make sure that he understands that he's a thrower first which is great but he's but he is the most dangerous when he when he pulls the ball down and runs James Franklin and uh, Trace McSorley after the game as Penn State won it in overtime. Like, that was quite a game. I mean, in terms of, like, if you're just a neutral fan watching the game and you don't have a rooting interest, that must have been one fun game to watch. Uh, there were obviously a lot of exciting moments, exciting plays in it. Uh, when it comes to the evaluation of it, I think now that you've listened, this is the seventh season I've done this show. And here is, you know... <laughs> I've taken the same approach the entire time. Where they come out of the gate, we talk about it, and I always put it into the context, always have, of the context of an opening game. I don't get too high and too excited. Have you ever heard me get too excited about an opening game? Oh, how about that? How they're on their way? Never. I've always been rather stoic and stayed about Okay, they did this. That's fine. It's a good starting point. Okay, you know, and uh, and I've gone from there. And they won the game. Uh, and same thing. I'm not going to get too high or too low about anything they did. You would you. It gets to the point where you expect Trace McSorley in the clutch to make plays like that because that's who he is, and that's how he plays the game. Uh, it's it's a big plus, for example. Uh, that K.J. Hamler stepped up. Um, and that's, you know, uh, to see a young player like that make plays in the clutch, although the kickoff return, you could hear an entire stadium when he hesitated and then ran out screaming, no, no, no. And then when he got to the 20, you heard everybody scream, go, go, go. Uh, so... <laughs> Uh, that's what made it so interesting. But he stepped up and made plays. I think James Franklin made some points today in his press conference about, uh, you know, some people thought, hey, maybe you ought to play the starters longer. And he said, no, nah, to him it's quite the opposite. He probably should have played some of the younger guys more in certain spots um, along the way, and that would have that would have helped. Um, the um, uh, Kevin Givens, obviously, you know, we knew going in he wasn't going to play the game. All right. Um, 
getting him back is going to help. And here's there, there are a couple reasons why. Number one, he is your starting defensive tackle. There's a reason he's your starting defensive tackle. His size, 280 pounds, his incredible defensive end-type quickness that he brings to the table can make a difference, especially if you want to get some pass rush up the middle against somebody. And it also helps because he can play the game in a certain way. It helps your middle linebacker. There's another part, too. Penn State went to the four defensive end package against Appalachian State. And when they did, it was Sharif Miller, Shaka Tony at the ends. They flipped Yitor Matos inside to the tackle spot. But the other spot was Daniel Joseph. Daniel Joseph is not big enough to play that spot, but he was the best available guy. Hey, Kevin Givens would have been that other guy there who then brings the size and the speed that can make a difference in that four defensive end package. Because obviously Givens is either an end or a tackle. He can be, he can be both. He's played both. Right? That's where getting him back is going to help. Penn State, when the first three quarters held the Appalachian State offense to three points, and a big reason why was the fact that they made some plays that created either no gain or a loss. Every time they did that, they got Appalachian State off schedule and kept them from getting first downs. In the fourth quarter, when they gave up 28 points, or in the, you know, the middle of the third quarter, you know, when they gave up 28 points in the fourth quarter, not one time did Penn State get them off schedule. This defense, to be successful, has to be able to create some losses. In the first three quarters, they did create some losses. And every time they got them off schedule, something good happened. They could not get Appalachian State off schedule in the fourth quarter. And because of that, uh, Appalachian State was able to stay on schedule and make plays which gave them comfort as to how they went about it. And I thought Zach Thomas, in his first career start, I thought played really well for Appalachian State. Give him a lot of credit. In that atmosphere, uh, in that uh, setting, your first career start, and he made some fabulous throws. That throw to Sutton down the sideline, which Tariq Castro Fields had, it's so well covered, and that ball was dropped right in there. It's a really nice play. Really, I mean, so you got to give him all the credit in the world. Also, speaking of giving all the credit in the world, the Penn State fans. When Appalachian State huddled up at the end of the game, I would say Scott Satterfield probably kept his team at midfield for... 60 to maybe 90 seconds talking to them about you know what had just happened and how to handle it moving forward and when they broke that huddle to leave Penn State fans gave them an an unprompted standing ovation that was really classy really really classy all right what do you think? We'll take a break. Joe Susan's coming up today at 3.35 to talk about uh, Bucknell. Then Beth Mowens is going to join us at 4.06. And Ethan uh, Witte 
the Phillies writer for thegoodfight.com is going to join us. The Phillies are only 4-11 and 11 in their last 15. We'll talk about all this coming up in the next hour and a half here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Purdy Insurance. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way? The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. All right, great to have you with us on the show today. All right. Like I said, it's the same approach I take all the time. I mean, it's, you know, after week one, I don't get too high. I don't get too low. It's okay. Do they have things to work on? Absolutely. Starting with, obviously, special teams coverage. Uh, obviously, Jake Pinnegar and Blake Gilligan and Raphael Cheka, I thought, all did a good job kicking the ball. It's a question now of the ability to... Uh, to cover, you know, because the one kickoff got run back. Now, after that, I think they did a pretty good job on kick coverage, and after that, I think they did a good job on punt coverage. But you can't – but in in the games Penn State's playing against, the opponents they're playing against, you can't have one slip. And, of course, naturally it's going to be the opening kickoff. You know, Penn State just scored, so it's the first kickoff they've covered all year. Young guys on there – all getting a little too hyped, a little bit too whatever, and they all run out of their lanes. And he got to the 20-yard line. I'm like, he's gone. I can tell right away he's gone. All right, so you've got to be able to that. You know, I know you're excited, but you've got to be able to play with that kind of control. And they got a valuable, valuable lesson that you can't leave your lane. Simple as that. Can't leave your lane. So obviously that's that's one of the corrections um, right out of the gate that you have to have. Um, I think that you know we talked about the effect of getting Givens back and what can, that can mean because there's a domino effect to that. I think that can help, uh, and um, because of because of that, it changes that package. Daniel Joseph doesn't have the size really to play in there. He's got the quickness, but he doesn't have the size to play in there. So he's a little easier block uh, than a Kevin Givens would be. It doesn't mean Givens is going to be great, awesome, incredible, and perfect on every single play, but he knows how to play that spot. He understands he understands gap leverage and so forth. Uh, and he's got the size, which makes him a tougher block than it would be for a guy that's smaller like Daniel Joseph. And Joseph did the best he could under the circumstances. I'm just saying that's a domino to look for. Um, it, you're looking just for more consistency across the board. 
People have talked about tackling. Well, if you watch the weekend, and we had five days' worth of watching the weekend, and in five days' worth of watching the weekend, nobody tackled well. I thought Virginia Tech probably tackled as well as anybody. But there was a touchdown pass last night where Jackson rolls to his right for Virginia Tech, and he throws it across his body, and boom, makes the catch, turns. He broke, what, four, five tackles on his way to the end zone. One of the reasons is is that they're trying to keep hitting down, you know, across the board. They're trying to keep hitting down across the board in preseason. And at whatever level, I don't care if it's high school, college, the NFL, are trying to keep hitting down as much as possible. Well, usually, and I made this point last year because the exact same topic came up last year about tackling. Oh, they're not a great tackling team. Nobody's a great tackling team. Who's a great tackling team right now? Who? Nobody is because yeah, you you can work on it, work on it, work on it, but you know you've got to actually really get into mode of tackling actually by playing games. Usually, the tackling across the country becomes better by game three. Usually, the tackling across the country becomes better in game three, and this is a universal deal at every level. Something I'm going to talk to Joe Susan about in a moment about about tackling. I mean, because the camps are different now. Camps are different uh, than they were in the old two-a-days. I mean, you, I mean, you still hit, you still have your skellies, you still have your, you know, you still have your team periods, you still have your thuds. Um, and obviously you go through tackling drills, but it just, until you get to the game... That's you know the game. It's I mean there's no preseason games. Yeah, you're scrimmaging and so forth. But there's no preseason games, and because of that, I think in college football it takes until the third week for tackling to finally settle in. That everybody really muscle memory on how to do it on every single play comes into play. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Joe Susan. Coming up in a few moments, we'll talk with the Bucknelly coach. Get you ready for the next one coming up for the Bison as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK. For nearly 100 years, Purdy Insurance has been your locally owned, family operated source for insurance products. With a staff of over 20 and partnerships with some of the industry's most trusted companies, Purdy has the experience and resources to get the job done. Whether you need personal home and auto or complex business insurance solutions, Purdy will help you navigate through the process. Call today at 570 286 5855. Or better yet, stop in their Sunbury office to see what Purdy Insurance can do for you. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury, go to purdyinsurance.com. We're joined by the head coach at Bucknell, Joe Susan, Joe, welcome to the show, and thanks for your time as always. It's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, I was asking Sean whether or not you guys got paid for overtime. <laughs> yeah, it's odd. You know, I've checked. I've looked at my checks over the years. They always see the same. Yeah, isn't that the truth? <laughs> like free okay. baseball. 
Yeah, exactly. Extra innings. Here we are in the 20 thing. Same as if it went nine. Uh, when it comes to your team, I, I usually take, you know, I was talking about Penn State earlier, and I said, look, I usually take the same attitude about an opening game performance as a starting point. Now, obviously, you want to win your opening game. What is your approach with opening games? Does it give you a baseline? Do you try to stay even keeled about it? How do you look at it, Joe? You know, a lot of it's related to how we feel we prepared and how we feel our players executed. And there's always the uncertainty of how you're going to perform in terms of matchups, in terms of speed, size, and strength. But there are some credible things that you can evaluate. Uh, We did not give up any sacks. We sacked them four times. I think we're even in the turnover margin, which is not good because we turned the ball over a couple of times. Uh, But the way our the way the young men on our team stayed after them, they uh, drove the ball. The the the, their first drive took them nine minutes, and uh, the night was similar to every night it seems in August where it's hot and humid and uh, it really tested our defensive kids and they they did an outstanding job part of that is that we're fortunate we're able to rotate eight guys on the defensive front so in terms of coming out of yeah obviously you want to come out with a win Um, our uh, our approach in our execution and and the toughness of our kids, those are things I feel good about, uh, and those are things I think that we can build on and get better with. Now, we, from an offensive standpoint, had an opportunity in our first drive to answer them, and we called the right play. It's just it was not sometimes when you throw a deep ball, <clears throat> you a lot of people think it's, you know, throw it as high and as far as you can, and there are certain deep balls you have to throw directly, and especially against a guy that uh, I think will be an All-American free safety. He made a hell of a play on it, and uh, it it changed what could have been points into a possession for them. Uh, and we went back and forth. We we tied it, and then they answered with a receiver that's an exceptional player on a 75-yard screen pass. But we had the ball at the end and it with a chance to keep playing and uh so it it was amazing how many different situations occurred during the game there was a two minute for them before the half a two minute for us we uh got the ball first and 10 at the minus one had to execute that and we did so uh it what what we tried to do during preseason is expose them to all those scenarios I'm not sure they believe us until it happens in a game, <laughs> and uh, right. most of most of them happens in the game, and uh, it gives you that experience. We have a, a number of young players on the team on the field, which when they're only eligible for four years, you better put them out there. Yeah. Uh, Joe Schiano came up with a strip sack that helps set up your touchdown. Uh, can you let us know what kind of guy Joe is, and at the same time, the elements that went into the play that show you what kind of football player he can be for you? you know, the, the thing that I think is important for Joe is that he's gone through a spring and a preseason 100% healthy, and that's really the first time he's able to say that, and I'm able to say that, and I think that really plays into his confidence. And uh, it was 
really his first rep. Uh, and uh, what they did is they <clears throat> slid the protection the other way, and they put a, a back against the defensive end. And if you're not cutting the defensive end and it takes any time, it's not a good matchup for you. Um, and he he did an outstanding job of coming around the throwing hand and you know sack fumble. That's something Matt Borch teaches, and he was fortunate that. Uh, the ball came right up into him. Um, his dad actually made it to our game after uh, Ohio State beat Oregon right. State, so his dad was there to see that. And <laughs> proud dads, um, but uh, it's good for him, and it, it just plays into here's a young man that has gone through some hard times in terms of some of the challenges injury-wise, but he keeps He's a student of the game. I think he's been a student of the game since about two years old. Yeah. Uh, knowing the family <laughs> heritage. Uh, yes. But uh, <laughs> it's good to see, and it's exciting for him. Um, he, uh, not, a, not, not a loud, boisterous young man, but uh, really a student of the game. And it's good, it's refreshing to see somebody get rewarded, especially somebody that's been through some of the injuries that uh, he's gone through. Joe, you want to see how your team mentally handles quick change both ways. If there's a takeaway, how does the defense handle it? But then offensively, okay, we've been handed something here. How do we handle it? What impressed you about the response of your offense once they were given an opportunity at the 36-yard line? You know, that that is so important, and we call it a short porch. Um, it's I played a lot of baseball in my career, and uh, or my life, <laughs> not my career. <laughs> <laughs> I dreamed about playing baseball, but uh, when you get those field position opportunities, and if you don't convert into touchdowns, it's a momentum win for the opponent. And obviously, we were in a position where we could have kicked the field goal, but we decided to go for it on a fourth down. And uh, we were uh, de- defensive interference was called, and. Uh, we get that 15-yard penalty, and then uh, we run an inside zone that Marquise Carter cuts back. Our sophomore tight end, Alex Twyford, makes a heck of a block on their defensive end, and he goes into the end zone. And Just from a momentum standpoint, and it really revs up your defense, too, because uh, they had been playing well, but it, it gives them incentive because now the, the game is even. And then uh, the very next drive, uh, Devontae Coleman takes it to the house for 75 yards, but sometimes you're going to yeah. give up those plays against players like that. But uh, in terms of the back and forth and the intensity that our team exhibited and our players and the way our coaches handle them on the sideline, you know, obviously you, you want to win, but uh, this, this group is, and I told them this in pregame, that they make the best time of day when. I go out on that practice field with them, and I was speaking for me and for my coaches. It's uh, it's good to their effort and their consistency. And sometimes it's their youth too that keeps you going. Uh, you shake your head and you, know, you see, you said what? <laughs> Are you? It's those. We have a 17-year-old, uh, Grayson yeah. Cherubino, who's going to be a heck of a player. Yeah, but uh, he is. He's just over, I think he's in that six, three and a half, six, four, two fifty eight, and he is going to be one heck of a player here. And he showed some of those flashes on uh, on Saturday. 
but uh, he'll wander into my office and ask me how to use a stapler. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's Joe, Joe, it's interesting. You mentioned baseball, so I'll keep this as a baseball reference. And I've always been a big believer, hey, look, sometimes the other guy makes plays. Right, and you got to give him credit, which you've done in the 75-yard play. Um, but in baseball, as you know, when a team scores in the top of an inning, you want your pitcher to go out and give you a shutdown inning. Well, that play was ensuing after, after you had scored, so you didn't get your shutdown inning. Right. How important is that for the defense to then to learn from that moment and say, look, you got to give us that shutdown inning because we've changed the dynamics of the game? so critical it uh it keeps momentum on your side if it's a three and out or you force them to punt uh after they get one first down or they you, you keep the field to your advantage and uh those are those are teaching opportunities for our team um we we had a freshman corner that uh is going to be a great player uh sterling deary and he he peeked inside for just one step, and it gave Devontae a chance to get outside of him. And uh, I think Sterling won't. Sterling, the next time this happens, Sterling will stay outside because he, he's. That's what's unique about that young man is you tell him once, he's got it. And it was his, his first challenge on the field, and they tried him early. They uh, tried a double move with Devontae Coleman and Sterling. Sterling played him step for step and made a great play on the ball. So. Nice to have a first-year corner that you can spell Brian Marine, you can spell Fasile. Uh, those you get depth in your secondary too. It's it's outstanding because those guys it, playing in that weather, um, the adrenaline factor comes in. No, regardless of how hydrated you are, you you become dehydrated just because of the combination of the heat, the humidity, and the, and the adrenaline. I actually cramped Saturday night, but I'm, I, I'm not worried about me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, and, you know, some, keep, some young men are prone to cramping. It might be because of lack of body fat. It might be because of over body fat. Yeah. Uh, it just, it's frustrating because it keeps the kid off the field. Our trainers do an outstanding job, too. Yeah. We're, we're fortunate to have the group we have. Well, the great Kurt Warner here at Penn State in 1982 had a terrible crampy problem, you know, and that's it. Yeah, and he was as conditioned an athlete as you could possibly ask for. Uh, speaking of running backs, Marquise Carter scored the touchdown, but he had 21 carries for 81 yards. Just a sophomore out of Rochester, New York. What kind of upside do you see in him? Well, he tweaked his knee. He's going to be away from us for a little bit. Uh, okay. He's going to be fine, though. He'll be fine. But uh, he is a big, powerful back. And one of his issues last year was any time he got the ball, he'd run as a tall back. And what happens then is you get hit at different angles, and it, it becomes advantage defense. He's learned how to play behind his pads, and uh, then he becomes. It's all, it's, it's all about leverage. Yeah. I mean, le pads, low pads, give you leverage. He he he, and when he can play behind his pads, he becomes a 214 pound back. He, yep. Um, we're yep. going to uh, start a freshman this week, um, Jared Cooper. The unique thing about Jared is he's a five eight guy, but he's not small. And uh, 
you know, sometimes those guys are hard to find behind big offensive lines. And Jared is a very good receiver, and uh, he's gonna. We're gonna find out today whether or not he can per- pass protect. So uh, <laughs> that yeah. becomes a unique uh, eye opener for high school backs that have never done it before. But uh, Jared's going to be an outstanding player, and uh, you know, obviously, would like to have Marquise. But uh, sometimes the injury guides. The good thing is that he'll be back in a couple of weeks, and uh, Jared will do an outstanding job. Sacred Heart uh, won its open over Lafayette, uh, thirty-five to six. You've got them three o'clock coming up uh, Saturday at Christie. Your thoughts on Sacred Heart? Uh, very skilled in both perimeters, and by that I mean offensively and defensively. Their quarterback returns. He's a graduate student. Uh, does an outstanding job. Uh, he he is one of those. I'm going to take a chance, guys, and. Uh, and a lot of the chances he takes, he cashes in on. Uh, I respect him. He's a young man named Kevin Duke. Uh, very big on the offensive line, but young. Same way on the defensive line. And the defensive front, I'll, I'll go front seven. Young. Um, multiple defensively, uh, and that's what everybody is nowadays. Uh, you can't sit in a defense. We were talking about when Miami was really good, there was 4-3 cover two. And, right. and why? Because they can yeah. Uh, but I think the matchup is good. Um, obviously, uh, Mark Noffrey, the head coach there, does an outstanding job. I've gotten to know him well. I respect how he does it. And uh, it'll be a fi- another physical war, which uh, that's the way football, that's the best way of football, I think. Yep. And uh, you know, it's uh, g- good to be home again. We actually uh, started a bison walk, I'd rather call it a stampede, where mm-hmm. our guys come through the gates and uh, are met by the crowd and it was impressive the first time I, you know I was wasn't sure how it would be but I really thank the people that did that and the people that set it up and it really our, our players really liked it and just got to change the walk to a stampede and we'll be okay sounds great hey Joe thanks so much best of luck Saturday three o'clock with Sacred Heart always appreciate your time thank you Steve thank you uh Sean, I look forward to seeing Sean on Saturday. Yeah, can't wait. Take care, gentlemen. Bye. All right, thank you, Joe. Joe Susan, head football coach at Bucknell. Beth Mowens in the next half hour, and Ethan Witte in the final half hour. Bob Flounders tomorrow, high school roundtable, and then Rich Scarcella and the King coming up on Thursday as we continue on, and Neil Kulong's on Friday as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK. The Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Mike Kosicki of the Miami Dolphins. It's a definitely an exciting time to be part of this program. You know, very similar to, you know, kind of what we're at Penn State. I'm excited for, for the future in, uh, in Miami, you know, playing for the Dolphins. I mean, I think that the future is definitely bright. The Steve Jones Show, 3 to 5 weekdays on News Radio 1070 WKOK and on the WKOK app. What a promo that was. Oh, sorry. Okay, today's show, stop laughing. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. We're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Key Routes 11 to 15 in Humble's Wharf. Uh, let's see. 
uh, opening week, and we talked about Penn State. A couple quick notes. It's interesting. Florida State, Michigan. Neither one is neither one is a great offensive line. Look, there are very few outstanding offensive lines in college football. It's just the way it is. Uh, that's why you see so many teams go to the spread. To be honest with you, um, but it's interesting what each one is doing. Florida. I know Willie Taggart was on Jim Harbaugh's staff at Stanford. Taggart was in Harbaugh's wedding. Okay, so they're tight. But it's interesting how both of them are trying to do square peg round hole with their quarterbacks. You look at DeAndre Francois, and they're trying to move him around in a spread system and have him run. And it, the guy's a pocket passer. Now let's go to Michigan. Shea Patterson. He's like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. He's better when he moves. Nope, you got him in the pocket. It's like, okay, we'll see what kind of adjustments they make after this week. And then there's Nick Saban. Maria Taylor asked a rather innocuous what, why question. Those are, those are the best questions. A what question or a why question. So she asked, essentially, you know, what was your evaluation of your quarterbacks? Yeah. And then he goes on this tirade about all you guys try to do is create some controversy and the whole thing. What's controversial about getting your opinion about how your quarterbacks played? You know, what's interesting about Nick Saban is this, in that moment. Now, I know he's apologized, by the way. He has apologized. But what is one of the items that Nick Saban absolutely expects of his players? What does he expect of his players? That when he talks, they listen. That's expected, that when he speaks, they listen to him. Yet he's being interviewed on TV, and he didn't listen to what she said. She didn't. He didn't listen at all to what she asked. He just went on it. His tirade. She didn't ask him that. She didn't. You know. She just said, "What was your opinion of your quarterbacks?" Well, now the door is open for you to talk glowingly about Jalen Hurts, to talk glowingly about Tua Tunga Viola. You can do all of that. That's all she did was give you the opportunity to tell us what do you think of your quarterbacks. Instead, he went on it because he didn't listen to her. He took it as a negative question. Asking your opinion as to what you think so you can properly express yourself about how you feel about the two young men is all she was doing. Yet, if a player did that to him when he was speaking and he was asking questions, he'd go through the roof. Do as I say, not as I do. Is that the motto at Alabama? Seriously, if he were to say something or ask a question, right? Yeah, he expects them to listen to everything he says. Well, guess what? Common courtesy says he needs to do the same thing when he's being interviewed. Listen to the question. Don't anticipate the tone of it. He did apologize, sort of. Beth Mowen's next half hour. Looking forward to talking with her. And then final half hour, Ethan Whitty. Talk about the Phillies. Bob Flounders tomorrow. 
Rich Scarcella on Thursday, High School Roundtable Thursday, Kevo coming up Thursday, and Neil Kulong on Friday to preview the Steelers. Your station for news, weather, business, and CBS Sports Radio. News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury and on WKOK.com.